Psalm 111 is week 177, month 41, hour 122. Father in heaven, as always, we ask you to bless this recording, bless the service, allow us to dig deep into thy word, all ten verses, and to spend a few moments just clearing our minds before we read the word of God and go on to break bread. We thank you, Father, for our salvation. We thank you for allowing us to do this every Sunday. And uh, from our point of view, for around 12, 13 years now, we ask you, Lord, to fill us with your spirit, to cleanse us of our sins, our iniquities. We ask you, Lord God, to go before us today, tomorrow, this week, and all of this month. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. So Psalm 111, like I say, will be week 177, month 41 hour. 122 and all these psalms complement one another very nicely so let's try and break down this 10 verse psalm psalm 111 let's begin in verse 1 praise ye the lord they say alleluia one of the last words found in the book of uh, revelation praise ye the lord alleluia i will praise the lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the uprights and the congregation Go to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 22. So service and salvation, standing and states are never the same. The Lord sets a bar very high when it comes to what he expects of us, what he commands us to do. And in Matthew 22, we read the following in verse 37. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment every jew would love that go back to psalm 111 is it easy no it's not easy but it goes back to the lord sets sets the bar very high the standard is very high and because we can't reach it never could never can never will he does it for us that doesn't give us an alibi to opt out and do our own thing but like i say when it comes to reaching his level of perfection you can't do it that's why paul says that we've all sinned past tense and fallen short of the glory of god praise ye the lord hallelujah like i say so praise ye in the plural though so this psalm is aimed at the jews in a plurality in a plural sense i will praise the lord now it's in a singular sense with my whole heart but of course your heart is desperately wicked your righteousness is filthy rags so this is the assertion this is the goal of an old testament saint wanting to reach perfection which is perfect it's as it should be uh, paul wanted to do all things he said I could, he said he could do all things through christ which strengthened him and many times it would appear he did just that you won't find paul ever complaining ever falling short, or ever feeling like an absolute uh, disaster an absolute failure unlike jeremiah who felt that way pretty much all of his life you got two things going on here you've got the goal the assertion like i say the desire the hope the uh, goal to reach to worship him to praise him with one's whole heart in the assembly of the upright going back to the upright the righteous the redeemed the holy son and so forth and in the congregation so it's an old testament setting you've got the jews you've got the uh, temple before that the tabernacle you've got the courtyard you've got synagogues which have always been in existence of course and the early church met in synagogues you found that in the book of james um, so from the old testament congregation which is what we are today so one more time praise ye the lord hallelujah like i say i will praise the lord with my whole heart 
Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Is it possible? Yes, in theory. But in practice, your old man is going to pull you back all of the time. You sit down to read the Bible. I know I do. You get a text message. So easily distracted. Or an email comes in. Or you hear something. Or an idea goes into your mind. And all of a sudden, you've lost your train of thought. You're not where you should be. And that's why, if you can, turn your phone off when you read the Word of God. Or switch your laptop off if you're reading the Word of God. Otherwise, you get so easily distracted. I know I do. Uh, praise Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. So that's the goal, like I say, for the Old Testament saints. Nothing has changed for the New Testament saint. Verse 2. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Sought out like studied by. So it's always right to live right. It's always the right time to do the right thing, as uh, some famous American once said, and he's absolutely right. It's good to live right. I know when I live right, I feel good. And when I don't live right, I don't feel good. I feel uneasy. I feel like I'm not uh, doing my best. And uh, if that is how you feel, uh, that's a good sign. It shows you belong to the Lord. Works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. Going back to his miracles, his written word, his unchangeable character, and all these beautiful attributes point back to the one eternal God. Three, his work is honourable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. That's a great picture of why we get rewards for living holy and just. Go to the New Testament again. This time go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 please and uh, taking the scripture to, uh, taking the scripture with the scripture is not only the best way to go but it's the only way to go and uh, in verse 1 Paul says the following brethren brothers and sisters my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved now Paul had knowledge of pretty much everything he went to the third heaven he wrote most of the New Testament there's no notion in his mind of a limited atonement which unfortunately is held by a lot of Calvinists today and was held by all of the reformers even the great uh, William Tyndale held to limited atonement which is a great shame and I got a comment last night on one of my new videos about Tyndale which I wasn't aware about how he taught that you are, you are saved by being baptized mm -hmm. which I'm afraid is incorrect this goes back to the greats you've got to study every single great Christian leader male or female uh, going right back to the first century, I put a book out this past week on Watchman Nee, Witness Lee, two very brave uh, gentlemen, Watchman Nee especially, and uh, Witness Lee wrote a lot of books which are very popular amongst evangelicals. He's on par, I guess, with C.S. Lewis. For me, I never thought much of Lewis, but he's very well thought of in evangelical circles in the UK and also in the US. And all these guys, yes, they paid a huge price. Tyndale was murdered for his faith, as was Watchman Nee. But their theology, and yes, it does matter, I'm afraid, sometimes is off. You've got to take the time to study these people very carefully. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. It was possible for every Jew to be saved. The word of God says Christ died for everyone and everything. He even died for those that would deny him. Second Peter chapter 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. This past week I watched a clip online 
a very famous conservative Jew in the US. And he was being interviewed by some people about what about the Gentiles? What happens to them when they die? I thought it would be very interesting to listen to. He said, well, what we believe as Jews is that we don't encourage non-Jews to become Jews, which I thought was rather interesting. Mm-hmm. What we say is uh, you Gentiles need to follow the Noahic covenant, going back to the days of Noah. And he said, <clears throat> and he said, if you don't lie, if you don't steal, if you don't uh, commit adultery or this or that, you will go to heaven upon death. I thought that's a works-based religion. They won't save anybody living a good, righteous life. A lot of people live good, righteous lives, and I'm in hell right now. And I thought, what an ecumenical answer as well. A very safe answer. And of course, he's incorrect. The covenant that Noah received won't save anybody. The covenant that Abraham received, which we'll look at shortly, won't save anybody. The covenant that the Jews received, Exodus chapter 20, will not save anybody. Unfortunately, our friend in the US, this conservative rabbi, uh, not a rabbi, he's a conservative Orthodox Jew, is deceived. He's also, he's, also, he's also become a victim of the ecumenical movement. This is what Paul is saying here. For I bear them record, the Jews, Israel, verse 1, that they have a zeal of God, this guy has a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Ignorance. And of course, ignorance is no excuse, is it? Three. For they being ignorance of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Going back to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, most of Jewry, what would they say? We shall have this man to reign over us. For Christ, aha, uh-huh, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone, to everyone that believeth. There's no works involved. Go back to the book of Psalms. So I'm afraid our Jewish friend in the US who keeps the Sabbath and is very proud of his religion and all of his rules and rituals is deceived, is lost and doesn't realise it and his Sabbath keeping won't save him his circumcision won't save him his good works won't save him his dietary rules and regulations will not save him he is lost, completely lost Psalm 111 and uh, look at 4 again he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered written down the word of God which we have in our hands this morning the Lord is gracious number one and full of compassion go back to the Old Testament let's go right back to the book of uh, Deuteronomy please Deuteronomy you see how powerful the ecumenical movement now is the Catholics bent over backwards back in the early 60s to appease uh, the Muslims the Jews atheists Freemasons that's why if you have the if you have the 1994 catechism which we do there's no mention of freemasonry in there there's no mention of the occult in there there's no mention of christ being the only way to the father uh, it's a very safe ecumenical presentation which won't offend anyone anywhere at any time and the jews are now part of this uh, movement as are the muslims and of course heaven is one big party one big uh, cozy get together where nobody ever gets offended Deuteronomy 8 and uh, look at verse 18 but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day so a covenant is like a contract it's like an agreement go back to Psalm 111 and there are several covenants back in the Old Testament I've given you two there's a few more of course 
which if you study very carefully, you'll realize that you can't be saved by keeping them. You can stay alive by keeping them. You can extend your life, longevity, tranquility, by following such covenants, such uh, contracts, but you can't save yourself. And that's the whole point. And that's the tragedy of modern religion today. Back to verse three, please. His work is honorable, number one, and glorious, number two, and his righteousness endureth forever. So without a blood imputation, without Christ's righteousness being given to you and me and all of us, we are lost. Goes back to works are very important, but they don't save you. They can't keep you saved. If they could save you, if they could keep you saved, what would Christ need to die for in the first place? This is where you put the, uh, the cart before the horse. This is what I find most churches are guilty of. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. Verse 4. The Lord is gracious. Amen to that. And full of compassion. He's very understanding. He's very merciful. He doesn't crush us the moment we do wrong. He's very understanding. And like I say, he doesn't uh, just demolish us the moment we go against his way or his will. He bears with us, which is wonderful. We don't deserve to live and breathe. But by his goodness and by his graciousness and mercy and uh, compassion, we can call him Abba Father, which neither faith on a face of the earth is able to really appreciate. Look at verse 5. He's given meats unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. The term mindful means aware of, conscious of. They use that in government circles. They say uh, the minister is mindful of this. Well, the minister is mindful of that. He's aware, she's aware of this or that. Not just aware of it, but they're conscious of it. They have to follow it to the letter. Go to Genesis chapter 15. So the Lord gives himself, uh, he gives himself a covenant. He gave, J he gave Jesus a covenant. And uh, in Genesis, he would give Abraham a covenant. Genesis 15, please. And let's pick it up in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. Shield and reward. Amen. Not down to Abraham's standing or state, or his goodness or lack of it. He would lie about his wife being a sister, and he would also collect concubines later in life, but he would offer up Isaac his uh, son in the 22nd chapter was a real picture of faith mark my words and Abram said Lord God that's a very Old Testament description Lord God what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus a man with no children in biblical times wasn't a good thing he's about 100 at this point or just under 100 around this time his wife same age no children again for biblical times was somewhat of a stigma somewhat of a shame and it's a good question lord god what wilt thou give me seeing i go childless verse three and abram said behold to me thou art given no seed no heritage no children and lo one born in my house is mine heir but not my own blood which is the issue of course and behold the word of the lord came unto him saying this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Your own blood, your own DNA. Of course, Isaac means laughter, because of course he laughs. As does his wife when news 
gets back to this elderly couple that they will be with uh, will be with child when it pleases the Lord but of course he lost his patience he listened to his wife as would Adam and of course when Adam listened to Eve the whole world went to hell in a, uh, hell in a, went to hell in a handbasket like they say and when Abraham listened to his wife the whole world went to hell in a handbasket you've got uh, Ishmael and Hagar of course you've got uh, Abraham and Isaac you've got two boys two seeds fighting each other riots last night in Tel Aviv 25 police officers seriously injured yeah. week before last uh, the police the military were saying we won't follow Bibi uh, concerning the new rules about the Supreme Court Israel is on a knife edge you've got Hezbollah you've got uh, Hamas firing rockets into Israel from uh, the so-called Palestinian territories and Syria and elsewhere and of course the Iranians are loving it at the same time we've got the Jews doing a deal a business arrangement with the Saudi Arabians incredible I mean Saudi Arabia are Sunni Muslims doing a deal with uh, Yetanah who's a Freemason you see get into geopolitics it gets very messy and that's why you are told not to be a part of this world system you can pray for your leaders but that's about as far as you can go five and he brought him forth abroad and said look now toward heaven look up toward heaven and tell the stars can you count the stars if they'll be able to number them which of course he could not going back to you can't save yourself and you can't keep yourself saved and he said unto him so shall thy seed be so as of right now Israel is around 7 million strong there are Jews all over the world and they have been preserved to honour the Lord and of course down the line 144,000 Jewish male virgin men are going to come onto the world, uh, world stage preach in and around Jerusalem with the aid, the help of the two witnesses both Jewish gentlemen probably uh, Moses and Elijah referred to as prophets in the book of Revelation Enoch wasn't a prophet incidentally so that kind of rules him out and uh, salvation therefore once again will be of the Jews as of right now the vast majority of the body of Christ are Gentiles but this is a Jewish book that we are looking at this morning we are so incredibly blessed to have access to this Jewish book. Six, and he believed in the Lord. Aha, uh -huh, no works involved, no baptism, no circumcision. And he, being God, counted it to him for righteousness. Going back to what Paul says in Romans 10, ignorance of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness which is of God, being Christ, of course. Go back to Psalm 111. If the Jew and the Muslim, if uh, Isaac and Ishmael, if you will, uh, could come together through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'd have peace tomorrow in Israel. No doubt about it. You wouldn't need Gentile leaders throwing money at the problem. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't solve the problem. If you could come together, if those brothers could come together and do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there'd be peace tomorrow. Which goes back to what we said over the years. If people followed our religion... No need for police force, no need for the military or social workers to deal with uh, troubled families. If families stay together, what a better world we would have. But of course, they've thrown out the Bible. They don't want God Almighty and therefore they reap what they sow. He hath remembered his works to be remembered, is one of works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion never runs out incidentally his patience never runs out his mercy never expires he won't say sorry too little too late you may have once believed on me and no longer do or 
you may be saved, uh, saved, but not walking with me. You know, get away from me. He won't say that, of course. Jesus Christ was incredibly patient, merciful, loving, kind, understanding, gentle as well. And that's a great thing to think about. Because, of course, the attributes of Jesus Christ reflect his Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Take the time sometime to study out uh, Confucius or Buddha or Muhammad. Just very briefly, and you'll be very surprised how many sins, errors and faults uh, those people actually had. And you read about it in their books as well. Verse 5 again. He hath given meats, food unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. Go back to the 37th Psalm, which we looked at many weeks ago. And uh, in Psalm 37, I think it's David, is speaking. In fact, David could have written this particular psalm. There's no name ascribed to it. In Psalm 37, look at verse 20, mm, 25. I have been young and now am old, around 70, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken. That's a good scripture for once saved, always saved. Nor his seed begging bread. Now the latter parts of this psalm is somewhat tricky because, because of course it gives you the impression that if you're saved, you'll never beg, you'll never be homeless, you'll never suffer. The apostle Paul had nowhere to lay his head, was supported by uh, those that followed his ministry had an occupation but he was sick most of his life spent two years under house arrest in the uh, 28th chapter of the book of acts and throughout church history many great christians have hit hard times and some have even ended up being homeless so this particular verse is not a doctrinal truth now it's partly true but not doctrinally true i've been young and he was and now i'm old and he ended up being old of course we're going to die around 70 like i say yet have i not seen the righteous forsaken in the ref in reference to their uh, salvation like I say and also in reference to the Lord being faithful to them nor his seed begging bread it says his seed begging bread not the righteous so it could be that the seed of the righteous isn't saved hence why he ends up begging bread but this goes back also to the uh, to the statement about Judas Iscariot which we looked at a few weeks ago in Psalm 109 and in Psalm 109 Jesus is praying for uh, pain and punishment to be inflicted on uh, Judas's children, verse 9, and Judas's wife to be a widow. And in verse 10, let his children be continually vagabonds, like walking around, nowhere to go, and beg. Let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. And down to 12, let there be none to extend mercy unto him, like his seed. Neither let there be any to favour his fatherless children, just let them be. And uh, let the iniquity of his fathers, verse 14, be remembered with the Lord. And let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. 15, let them be before the Lord continually, in reference to the sins of, the, of uh, sins of his mother, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. Go back to Psalm 111. So it's not a doctrinal truth because many righteous people have hit hard times and have even gone to the streets. I saw a clip online a few weeks ago of a lady in the US, maybe in Arizona, and she's now, well, she calls herself an evangelist. It may not mean anything, but she's not offering herself as an atheist. And she says she's a licensed evangelist. I think in the US you have to be licensed 
uh, by the state if you want to be part of a church set up and uh, what a tortured life she's been living for many a year homeless a prostitute now I know it's an extreme example but it's possible that once upon a time she did belong to the Lord she did believe on him which means she's still in his family but she's hit hard times she may have walked away from him and therefore as a result of that she's reaping what she has sown as Paul speaks about and that also possibly pictures why the uh, the beggar in Luke 16 is outside the rich man's mansion begging bread he's saved he goes to heaven he gets and then he gets an angelic escort into heaven but somewhere along, somewhere along the line he stopped walking with the Lord he stopped working and because of that he's hit hard times uh, 111 look at verse 6 please he has showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen that's the whole point of the book incidentally so one day Christ as the king of the Jews king of the Jews comes back to rule and reign over this world system go to the book of uh, Isaiah this past week we're doing street work and this chap walks over to us, a former Jehovah's Witness of 50 years, been out about three years, and uh, he's a harmless chap. And he came over to us, and we got talking to him, and he pulled a book out of his bag. N.T. Wright was the author, an Anglican, liberal in some ways. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's in favour of female priests, in fact. Yeah. And our friend, quote unquote didn't know much about N.T. Wright I said well be careful of that chap I said uh, he's also against he's, he's against substitutionary atonement the blood atonement of Christ he put a very stinging statement out about 10 years ago that the idea that we as sinners are saved uh, by our faith in the son of God who was bruised and beaten to death for our sins was repulsive to this Protestant uh, priest and I said to our friend be careful you know there may be some good stuff in that book but if he gets that wrong concerning the blessed atonement uh, why bother reading anything else he has to say Isaiah 60 Isaiah 6, uh, 6 let's pick it up in verse uh, 60 verse 10 and the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls and their kings shall minister unto thee for in my wrath I will for in my wrath I smote thee but in my favour have I had mercy on thee? One day the Gentiles will carry your bags. They will carry your tools. They will do what is necessary to take care of you. It is of course a reverse of the Jews in Egypt. Under the cosh of the Egyptians. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not shut day nor night. That men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles. That their kings may be brought. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. That term is used every day of the week. Just waste them. You see it in gangster movies. Just waste them. Take them out and waste them. It means kill them. Waste them. Utterly wasted nations. Drop as a bucket. Next to nothing. Completely insignificant. Inconsequential. The glory of Lebanon. That's a Gentile nation. Shall come unto thee. The fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. It says back in Psalm 110, till he makes his enemies his footstool. The sons also of them that afflict thee shall come bending unto thee. Picture of uh, in submission, bend the knee basically, 
and all they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet like the united nations and they shall call thee the city of the lord the zion of the holy one of israel whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated still after this day so that no man went through thee or made thee an eternal excellency a joy of many generations thou shalt also suck the milk of the gentiles not literally but of course as figurative language and shalt suck the breast of kings like drain them of their energy of their wealth they've lived off the jews for long enough now it's going to be reversed and thou shalt know that i the lord uppercase am thy saviour and thy redeemer the mighty one of jacob while we are here just go back to psalm 48 last week i was trying to think of a verse to use and cross reference to psalm 110 which came to me after the service finished go to psalm uh, excuse me isaiah 48 keep your hand then go back to psalm 110 and i want to just put these verses together many times during a live service uh, we cover a lot of ground which is the whole point of it of course but sometimes verses are missed and afterwards once the adrenaline has come has come down uh, the verses come to mind now in psalm 110 uh, pick it up in verse one the lord said unto my lord you've got two lords but one god sit thou at my right hand until i make thine enemies thy footstool so just very briefly david is the author and quite likely the same author for psalm 111 you've got two lords two jehovah's but one god the holy ghost is called the lord also in second corinthians this always messes up anti-trinitarians they just love to jump them down over the belief that we hold to god being one in being but three in person they can't get it they make fun of it they mock it they ridicule it to their own damnation i might also add but here you've got david the father and the son three entities three people can use that term three personalities that's a better description three personalities speaking about the trinity david is speaking david is writing but he's writing on behalf of the son and also the father now follow me the lord all uppercase jehovah elohim not yahweh that term yahweh isn't a biblical term the term yahweh comes from the new bibles it goes back to vaticanus and Sinaiticus. that's not a bible word yahweh or yeshua i know in hebrew his parents called him yeshua or his mother stepfather called him yeshua i know that but in the new testament the greek new testament the term yeshua is never used once or yahweh for the old testament is never used once yah jehovah elohim adonai uh, el shaddai these are biblical name a biblical term el gabor be really technical about it so the lord said unto my lord so jehovah said unto jehovah sit thou at my right hand you find that in revelation uh and also throughout the new testament until i make thine enemies thy footstool so you got a picture of heaven and in heaven you got the father saying to the son come over here and sit at my right hand you are my right hand man until i make thine enemies thy footstool you've got two pronouns you've got three people or three personalities enjoying a conversation david is writing it go back to uh isaiah give another example of this isaiah 48 16 come ye near unto me me hear ye this i have not spoken in secret from the beginning from the time that it was now watch it there am i 
And now the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. So Isaiah is doing what David has just done. Isaiah is speaking. Or he is, report, he is reporting. He is recording this conversation. But not about himself. About Jesus. Come ye near unto me. That's found in the first chapter of this book. And also Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me all you uh, that are weak and heavy laden. So on and so forth. Come ye near unto me. Hear ye this. Now watch it. I have not spoken in secret. From the beginning, Paul says, we didn't do this thing in a corner. This also goes against uh, secret societies. From the time that it was, there am I. Before Abraham was, I am. There am I. And now the Lord God, Father, and his Spirit, Holy Ghost, hath sent me, being the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a Trinitarian passage in that particular verse. There are many more in the book of Isaiah. Go back to Psalm 111. So, you've got three personalities, three people if you will, distinct personalities, part of the one Godhead, speaking to one another, enjoying conversations with one another. And that's why when Christ is on the cross, uh, my God, my God, why is thou, thou, why have you forsaken me? Again, you've got two uh, people in, in the communion elsewhere. It says, this is my, my beloved son, hear ye him. So the father speaks to the son, vice versa. See, it's so clear, isn't it? If you just take the time to think, to think these things through. But if you start to put your own prejudice into the text and your own preconditions, you just miss out on a great and a great blessing. Uh, Psalm 111, uh, six again. He hath showed his people, his people, uh, salvation is of the Jews. Judgment begins with the house of God, his people. His people uh, receive the oracles of God. Uh, he, he hath showed his people the power of of his works going back to his miracles for the old testament and also providing enough food for the whole world like verse five three times over but due to greed of governments and corruption from uh, politicians they throw food good food into the sea and that's another that's another reason a valid reason why so many people are suffering and starving around the world today it's not all down to sin or well, that's a big part of it of course but it's down to greed from those that control the food and the uh the shipping canal, shipping routes and uh, ports and all those uh, parts of the world where food is shipped over the world, around the world. Most food goes by ship, incidentally, not by air. It goes through the sea. He has showed his people the power of his works, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. One of the Psalms speaks about uh, uh, David ruling over the heathen, being the captain over the heathen, a people that did not know him, which of course isn't the lesser David, it's a greater David. Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. Now, verity is veritas, and that's Latin, I seem to think. Is that Latin, veritas? Yeah, yeah Latin. Veritas, verity, meaning truth, meaning uh, honesty, righteousness, to speak truth. Uh, verse 7, cross reference it back to Isaiah 60. Let's see now. I never did Latin at school, but I know that Veritas is Latin. Uh, Isaiah 60, 61, and look at verse 8. For I, the Lord, for I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offerings, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. In reference to the millennial reign, I would imagine, and here again the word covenant has appeared for the second time, and this is a different sort of covenant which the nations will enjoy 
during the tribulation going into the millennial reign. Now for me, I'll say this very briefly, I've always thought this, that the rapture comes first, followed by the great tribulation. But I don't know if the, if the tribulation comes right after the rapture or a period of time has elapsed. I don't know. I know Larkin taught there's a period of there's a, there's a period between the rapture and the tribulation, which might explain why Babylon is rebuilt being Iraq, not Rome. But I'll discuss that more when we go through the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Back to Psalm 111, please, verse 7. The works of his hands are verity and judgment, truth and judgment, truth and righteous, verity, true, honest, verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure like steadfast they don't change they don't fluctuate uh, going back to that Jew saying if you keep the Noahic covenant you'll be good as a Gentile which of course you won't be good as a Gentile uh, you can be a good righteous atheist and there are many I guess to some extent who don't lie who don't steal who don't commit adultery or fornication who don't do this or that but of course they're lost because their blood is contaminated look it's like this the Lord doesn't want people turning up in attorneys and saying, hey, look at me. You know, I kept the law. I kept all the covenants. I'm a good man or a good woman. And some get a handshake or a, a commendation. No, you'd be condemned. You're not a good person. It goes back to Job. We, we'll get there shortly. He wants people to humble themselves. Say, you know what, Lord, I can't live this life. I can't keep these commandments. I want to. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and my righteousness is filled with your rags without, without any blood atonements i can't live it i can't reach heaven uh, my, in in my own power in my own strength but i'll put my faith in one who did jacob's ladder who came down and went back up who was on heaven and earth, who was on, who was on the earth and in heaven at the same time john 3 verse 13 I put my faith in that but i won't brag or boast about my own so-called works the damage the ecumenical movement has done it's just astounding Verse 8, they stand fast forever and ever. They, I would mention in reference to the commandments in verse 7, they stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. Going back to, you can take the Lord at his word, trust him. Uh, someone asked me a question a while ago about uh, salvation. Yeah, we had a brother in our Facebook group. He said this, he said, uh, I've, I've lost my way and uh, I'm doing this I'm doing that I forget what he said exactly and uh, I'm cold and I'm lukewarm all the things that Christians should dread ever becoming and uh, what do I do to get back to the Lord I said well this is what I would do pick a night and read Matthew in one sitting pick a night and read Mark in one sitting followed by Luke John and if you get time book of Acts now five days reading the word of God over five consecutive nights this is what I have done and it helps me it may help you five nights reading the word of God like I say and meditating on the word of God will heal your wounds from within and after healing your wounds from within you start to rejuvenate yourself you start to recover and you feel good and then take the Lord at his word he says in first John if we the redeemed confess our sins this brother's got some he being God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us 
of all unrighteousness. Wash away our sins because, of course, we are still sinners. We're not sin-free just because we are saved. And I said to him, just take the Lord at his word, which is what you find here. Verity and judgment, seven. All his commandments are sure, eight. They stand fast forever and ever. Again, the antecedent will be on his commandments. Verse seven. Are done in truth and uprightness. Take him at his word. Don't call him a liar. Repent, confess your sins to him. Not just you, but all of us. We are still sinful creatures. And then trust him to do what he said he would do. Put our sins back under the blood. Amen. Look at verse 9. He sent redemption unto his people. In the, in the context of Jews. He hath commanded his covenants forever. Holy and reverence is his name. And at the, at the, at the, at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Go to. Uh, let's see now. Go back to Isaiah please. Isaiah. I've been a believer 21 years and uh, I've read many books I'm sure you have I've been to the Bible many times as I hope you have and uh, I think only one two three preachers all American incidentally have got the atonement correct and have explained the plan of salvation correctly that two out of those three got it really good one slightly muddled on Calvinism but the other two did a great job but most Christian teachers and preachers, for, for, for whatever the reason, can't or won't get this right. And they muddy the waters. Going back to William Tyndale, and I'll check out that source correctly for myself. But if that's true, that uh, Brother Tyndale got that wrong, that's terrible. Because, of course, that's not the gospel, which Paul condemns in Galatians chapter 1. See, it goes back to study famous Christians. I don't care if it's Wesley... Watchman Nee, uh, William Tyndale, who's a great Greek scholar, and he was, or the King James translators, or Cromwell, or King James, or Peter Ruttman, or James Patel, check them all. Because some of these guys, they're good in heaven today, but if they're preaching another gospel, it's not good. Because people trust that and go to hell. And that's the, that's the complexity of trying to work out whether somebody is, is uh, right or wrong, or saved or unsaved. That's how, that's how tricky this can become. Isaiah 59, 59, 59, 20. Here we go. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar to break off his sins. And uh, that he would extend his uh, life, basically. Redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob saith the Lord, picture the Jews uh, during the tribulation as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord my spirit that is upon thee are my words which I put in thy mouth again, this is Jehovah speaking about uh, or this is Jehovah Father speaking about Jehovah Son my spirit, my words put in thy mouth it says in John 3 that the spirit wasn't given by measure unto Jesus Christ shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever so here you've got a spiritual seed which I won't spend too much time discussing it gets quite deep but it goes back to the two seeds found back in Genesis chapter 3 the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpents which goes back to Judas being a 
devil in John chapter 6, which goes back to the Antichrist coming out, coming up out of the sea, Revelation 13. And of course the devil giving him his authority and all these people throughout history going back to uh, Sennacherib, Pharaoh, and uh, oh, I don't know, many other people in scripture, the, uh, the Caesars and Herod, of course, especially in Pilate to some extent, all types of the seed of the serpent. But 2021, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion, second advent, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob. So you hear the gospel, you believe it, then you turn and you embrace it with all of your heart. Saith the Lord, going back to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength and mind. As for me, this is my covenant with them, Father speaking, saith the Lord, uppercase Jehovah, my spirit, could be his own spirit or the Holy Spirit, both views are uh, fine within Trinitarianism. My spirit that is upon thee, going back to Christ, being anointed with the Holy Ghost, and my words which I put in thy mouth, going back to Christ being a personification of the Trinity, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed. So we are the children of God, Christ is our brother. He's also our saviour, our Lord and our God. So he's our brother. And we are part of the family. So we are his seed in that sense. And that's why when somebody gets up on a street corner. And preaches. They have the authority. And it resonates with those of us which are saved. And we hear fellow brothers preaching or teaching. And that's why lost people get so upset. When they hear unsaved people. Uh, preaching and doing and saying what they do. They don't like it. It makes them feel really uncomfortable. But that's good. Because of course you should be uncomfortable. But not all of the time. There's also time to build people up and encourage people. Nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed. So if you are a parent and you have a saved son or daughter. That's in the context here. But going back ultimately to getting people saved. Paul says I have begotten you to uh, the Corinthians. And he also says about Timothy as well. So this feeds back into spiritual priesthood. Uh, going back to having spiritual fathers over you. But watch that. Saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. Go to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. And uh, if I keep your hand in Hebrews 12, go back to Psalm 111. Let me just double check something. Uh, Psalm 111, let me just cross reference this with Hebrews 12. Uh, 111. Yeah. Sent redemption unto his people, commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverent is his name. Incidentally, that term reverence shouldn't be used by preachers. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, to his credit, hated the term reverence. And uh, personally, and I agree with Charles Spurgeon, that the term reverence is only used for the Lord as a title or as a description. Holy, set apart, that's pretty self-explanatory. Holy and reverence, reverence is his name. So, just very briefly and go back to Hebrews 12 if you haven't already. When it comes to titles of men of God, I've always said this, that if you are a pastor, then people recognize you as being a pastor. That's fine. But don't call yourself pastor. Call yourself brother. 
if you are an evangelist, don't call yourself evangelist such and such. You are an evangelist. That's what you are. That's what you are known to be. Or if you are a Bible teacher or a scholar or somebody who, who is good at what he does and loves the Lord, don't allow people to put you on a pedestal. All these titles are basically Romanism. Yeah. It goes back to the Reformation. Unfortunately, a lot of the reformers never threw out the titles. It was John Calvin who said, uh, Luther was my reverent father. He wasn't your reverent father. He wasn't even your father. I mean, you, if Calvin was saved, if he was saved, he got saved much later in life, not due to the writings of Luther. He got saved by hearing the gospel, because of course faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And after getting saved, then perhaps went to the, the writings of Luther to grow. I, I mean, I'll grant him that. But he wasn't saved reading Luther's writings. It doesn't work that way. Nobody's saved by reading other people's writings. You're saved by hearing the gospel. Then, of course, you grow and uh, you adopt people's beliefs, so on, and so, forth, so on and so forth. So the term reverence is only for God Almighty. Father, you're told to call nobody father. You have one father, Matthew 23. Also, you're told to call nobody rabbi. And yet evangelicals have rabbis. Have you noticed this? You go on to TBN, I don't recommend it, but if you go online, there's two or three American rabbis, Christians, probably saved, but call themselves rabbi. And evangelicals are calling these guys rabbi. You only have one teacher being Christ. So drop rabbi, drop father, drop reverence. If you're a man, you're a brother, and if you're a woman, you're a sister. End of. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, unlike other kingdoms which have all been moved and destroyed let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God in the context the Jews for our God is a consuming fire a consuming fire go back to Psalm 111 he sent redemption unto his people now in the context this goes back to the Jews being saved from Gentile aggressors we call this literal or practical salvation not once saved always saved it's different it's different but in our point of view from our from our standpoint we have a perfect blood atonement we've been redeemed past present future sins now the old testament saints were saved i believe that as are we they're saved by grace as are we but god dispenses grace differently for the old testament saint there's no clear-cut picture back in the Old Testament of a once saved, always saved passage. I gave that one from Psalm 37, 25, how the righteous have not been forsaken, which is a pretty clear one, but even that isn't as clear as it seems, because in the context, that deals with their practical salvation, their practical redemption, like being safe and sa safe and sound in the, in the land. Not once saved, always saved, but they were saved, and they were forever kept saved, going back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. David and Co. So the redemption here in verse 9 deals with the Jews' practical uh, redemption or salvation, but not necessarily their once saved, always redemption. That, of course, is somewhat veiled in the Old Testament. But partly found also in Psalm 89. In fact, go there very quickly, just very briefly. Psalm 89, which went through some weeks ago, I think it's 89. And uh, in Psalm 89, yeah, like for example, uh, 30, 30, 
If his children forsake my law, and what not to my judgments, if they break my statutes, and keep not my commandments, which most of them did, then will I visit their transgression with a rod, which he did, and their iniquity with stripes, I'll beat you, I'll whip you, nevertheless my loving kindness will I not utterly take from them, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail, my covenant contract will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips, once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David, thank God for that, his seed should endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me, Go back to Psalm 111. So just a brief detour to show the point, or make the point, that salvation does differ in both Testaments. But uh, if you have received the Lord, you always will be with the Lord. One more. Let's close before my throat gives out. 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the end, the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever let's look at three more from the old testament and we'll close proverbs 9 please proverbs uh if i go to job first of all go to job 20 let's say now see now job 28 28 uh 28 28 and unto man he said behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Go back to Job chapter 1 briefly. Here's a great man to mark. Job chapter 1. Two men in scripture really do stand out. And uh, in Job 1, look at verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Which means he would run from evil. That's remarkable. Perfect, upright, feared God, eschewed evil. That's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, go to uh, Proverbs. Proverbs, let's see now. Proverbs chapter. Look at Proverbs 9. Proverbs 9. And... Uh, Look at verse, let's see now. I want Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, almost verbatim, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Going back to my earlier comments, it's always right to live right. You don't need an alibi to live right. When you live right, you feel good, you get your prayers answered, you're able to share the gospel with other people. But when you don't live right and don't do what is right, you start to basically dry up and get under conviction and you feel awful about yourself. Go to James chapter 1. Now James is a tricky book to navigate through. I will say that. And uh, I went through James verse by verse about a decade or so ago. Should do it again, I guess, sometime in the near future. And James messes up a lot of Christians. A lot of dispensationalists really mess up in James. Robert Breaker can't handle this book. Peter Rutman said this wasn't for the church. It was for the Jews and the tribulation, which is incorrect. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, 
including James, including the Psalms, including Leviticus. So be careful how you handle these books and don't throw them out because they sound or they feel Jewish to you or too Jewish. A lot of good stuff in a lot of these Jewish books. Uh, James 1, 22. But be doers of the word. Paul says the same thing. Romans chapter 2. And not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That should be pretty self-explanatory. You tell your kids, get out of the kitchen, don't play with matches. You expect the kids to get out of the kitchen, not play with matches. In the kitchen or outside the kitchen. You tell your kids, don't play with electric anywhere at any time. Against common sense. You tell a man, be careful what you do. Uh, a woman, be careful what she does. And if she doesn't, then, or if he doesn't, uh, more folly, more for them. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Put it into action. I think it was C.T. Studies said, uh, faith and action go, 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 uh, go hand in hand. I believe that. I do believe that. You're told, don't do this, don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just because you're saved doesn't mean, doesn't mean you can do it. Don't do it. Don't let your eyes start to wander or the thoughts start to roll in your mind or start to plan and plot this or that. Don't do it. Just cut it off if you can. Be not doers of the word. Be doers of the word. Don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word, deceiving your own selves. That's the problem. You see, you deceive your own self. But if any be a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straight forth forgetteth what manner of man he was. When you start to go back to the old man, you start to dig up the old man, as the analogy has been used, you start to go back under the law. You start to commit sins of the flesh, physical sins, fleshly sins. And when you do that, you become a transgressor. And that's why Paul said you've fallen from grace, found in the book of uh, Galatians. You haven't lost your salvation, but you've fallen from where you once were. And that's why it's critical to walk in the Spirit, Romans 8, 1, 2, and 3. Because when you walk in the Spirit, the, the law can't touch you. You're not uh, back under the, the, uh, the condemnation of the law. You're in grace and you're in the Spirit. But when you stop walking in the Spirit and go back under the law... Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honour thy father and mother, have no other gods before me, uh, don't bear false witness, all those teachers, and, oh, thou shalt not kill, another one. When you go back to sins of the flesh, you go back under the law, and that's why you're now a uh, lawbreaker, a transgressor. And that's why it gets confusing for people who can't rightly divide the word of truth from the law and grace standing in state. So James is saying, don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word and uh, don't be inconsistent be uh, consistent don't be double-minded or unstable uh, and that shouldn't really be that shouldn't need to be really preached about go back to Psalm 111 and yet many times we find ourselves going back under the law we go back to the flesh going back to our brother asking how to get help and how to heal and recover from his uh, lukewarmness he's stale get back to the word brother stay in the word fear the Lord is the beginning the start of wisdom amen a good understanding have all they that do his commandments now in the context you've got the old testament covenant 600 plus commandments good luck trying to keep those uh, but jesus would also say if you love me keep my commandments 
his praise endureth forever. Keep praising him. Amen. Hallelujah. Give you one more. First John commandments. This also gets uh, missed by a lot of Lordship salvation people. I think it's first John three. Uh, let's see now. Here we go. First John three. Now the commandments for the New Testament slightly differ from the Old Testament. You got the uh, text also from Romans chapter 13 where Paul deals with this Jesus says if you uh, love the Lord thy God and uh, love your neighbor yourself you've kept the whole law which is it which is uh, which is which is basically summed up in a nutshell love the Lord thy God aim at the Jews incidentally not the Gentiles love your neighbors yourself like the Samaritans you've kept the law but that won't save you for today there's no blood atonement there gotta be careful with the Gospels transition from law to grace but first john 3 this is for us first john 3 and uh, let's pick it up in uh, verse 22 and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight here we go 23 and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son jesus christ simple as that and love one another as he gave us commandments and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us two commandments which are for you and i for today and that's it romans uh if i go to romans quickly and we'll close in romans 13 it's worth it and it's uh helpful for those that are struggling this morning to get salvation down uh 13 which first i want now romans 13 13 here we go uh pick it up in uh uh 13 8 oh no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law love worketh no ill to his neighbor verse 10 therefore love is the fulfilling of the law 11 and that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out or sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed it's faith alone in christ alone through blood alone to the gospel alone for the glory of god alone for the praise of his name that loved us and died for us and washed us in our bloods we'll close it there amen and come next week and uh look at psalm 112 amen and amen